0: I'm Andrew Junker with French Press, and this is Why We Do This. listening to episode 26 and i am very excited about this episode my goal of this podcast is to continue to talk to different roles in the film production world and get different you know takes on philosophy and process and understanding the craft that goes into these different facets of what make up a a a film And so today on this episode is Amanda Bean. Amanda Bean is a production designer, and she works on a wide variety of narrative projects, creative projects, advertising projects, and... uh we get to talk about production design today. Uh, My own personal ignorance, uh, for the longest time, I just thought art director was the catch-all phrase for the art department head. Uh, And so for the longest time, I would just say art director. We need an art director. I want an art director. And uh, it it wasn't until about seven years ago that I worked on a production with an art director. And they said, you know, I'm an art director, and really what you need on this job is a production designer. And at that moment, I... Realized, oh, okay, I need to, you know, both change my vocabulary and be rethinking what these roles are. Uh, I love this conversation because we really just dive deep into. Uh, all sorts of different types of film productions where a production designer has value. And sometimes it's more overt, and sometimes it is far more subtle to the point of almost being invisible. And so I think it's really worth shining a light on on this area that can, in certain situations, be very misunderstood. And like in so many episodes of this podcast, we begin with how Amanda found her way into this profession.
1: I went to school for, um, I went to art school, and um, I was a fine artist, but I actually really leaned towards crafts. I went to Oakland, you know, California College of Arts and Crafts at the time, Okay. Um, and I studied textiles and jewelry metal arts. Um, And I had a really heavy um, focus on anthropology, which Hmm. is like how people express themselves through their belongings, through their clothes, like... Through their homes, um, interesting, and how people, and really how people live, you know, and um, when I, um, I had, you know, I had a jewelry business. I was like a personal assistant for an artist. Like I've, you know, I'd had a, f- I'd actually worked as a bookkeeper a ton of times. Like worked in offices so like for years, and then um, I just had this kind of career shift around six seven years ago, and I was in this place. I didn't have a job. I didn't know what I was gonna do. And a friend of mine asked me to produce his short film for him. (laughs) And I like went in and I just felt really activated. Like Hmm. it, it it was like, I just, you know, I felt really um, lit up. And um, every, really every skill set that I had ever gained was utilized in that. Like all of my bookkeeping, all of my ability to like be a boss or organize teams or manage a project. all, you know like my jewelry connections like all of my styling, all of the stuff that I love to do all went into this and I um, I definitely did a lot of the art direction we built this whole crazy set and um, it it just was like obviously the right place for me and I was like, <laughs> oh this is what I must do now and I just I was really inspired and I was really it really got me excited and then that was it so I begged a friend who was, working as an assistant for a big company, doing catalog work, uh, you know, and I was like, please just get me in. And Mm. then I got in and I worked for free until people would pay me (laughs) and and I, you know, and I did, I did projects, music videos or whatever. um, And that's how it happened. Wow.
0: That first ask, did you have any idea what was involved? I
1: had no idea what I was doing, (laughs) like no clue. But I got to say, I did pretty good for, yeah. like, what we had and everything else. We, I, you know, went nothing budget. And we were, like, flying people. We were flying actors in. Like, it was crazy. Wow. But, um and I built this whole set. It was, it was totally insane. But... I did have a skill set that was like really applicable mm-hmm. and yeah. and I was old enough and mature enough and a, I think a good enough artist because at the end of the day, I'm an artist in whatever field, you know, even mm-hmm. if I'm making jewelry, you know, I'm still thinking about composition, color, form, all those things. I'm applying that to filmmaking, too.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you said something that is really interesting to me that I, I honestly never thought about, which is the, the anthropology as telling stories and giving a picture of someone's identity through belongings. Yeah. Like, that's not so totally, like, I didn't study a lot of anthropology, but right. my understanding of it, I never made that connection. Yeah. But then the idea of applying that to this, like, visual world and how to, like, you know, what what items to bring in and how to place them in a way that fills out that picture of a person. Yeah. That's really interesting to
2: me.
1: Yeah, me too. And um, I... I definitely, I, I was really lucky when I was in college. I, you know, I'm really girly in a lot of ways. I'm like into clothes and I'm in, you know, I'm into all this stuff. And I had, um, I had a teacher who really showed me the academia in it, you mm-hmm. know, and she was like, oh, here's anthropology, which is basically the study of all those things. And, um, you know, you can look at the way that fashion works versus traditional clothing and you can like study these things. And there's like this whole intellectual way of looking at it. And, you um, When I got into film, there was just such a clear connection. And I think that that's my favorite part about when I, you know, when I get to actually have a character and build a scene, I'm really thinking about how does that person live? Like if we're in their kitchen and this is like somebody who never cooks and it's a bachelor you know, how is their kitchen set up? like what's in their fridge? like what kind of things do they have versus somebody who, you know, a grandma who's like in there every day and has been there in you know has been designing her kitchen for her needs and how she cooks for the last fifty years, mm-hmm. you know and also just how much we really learn about people based on how they choose to present themselves, even if somebody says, "I don't care about the world if they're showing up in sweatpants and like, messy hair with stains on their shirt they're saying I don't care what you think about me they're still (laughs) communicating with their you know with how they're presenting themselves and that and that extends to people's homes as well and it you know I don't know it's it's totally fascinating to me
0: (laughs) do you think that I I mean I I can only imagine that the you know sort of the education side of it in the in the the you know, going through school has probably helped the way that you're researching that stuff, the way that you're search- kind of finding those moments. Is that true? Or... Yeah,
1: I mean, I've always been really big on research. Um, I, You know, I actually dropped out of high school really early and I learned how to use a library and then I just studied a hmm. lot and, like, taught myself a bunch of stuff. And, um, you know, learning critical thought and learning how to cross-reference, like, all those kinds of things um really inform my artistic process and always have. And so now that I'm in film, it's just utilized in a different way, Hmm. you know, but it is really fun to think about how, you know, who and how people are. Even in advertising, I do like it when, um, you know, when I'm working with an agency or something who can actually give me a real breakdown of their clientele, like these Mm -hmm. are the people we're trying to sell to, because it's, you, you can make a scene so much juicier and better when you have more information Mm -hmm. you
0: know yeah I mean I'm the same way like the more information that we can take in the more little pieces to help to connect the dots and, and build out this picture right so so for you let's talk about sort of more narrative work like does it always start with a character for you when you're thinking about how to build outwards or sort of where, where do you where yeah. do you usually start? I
1: think I usually I mean you know I think I usually start with the character you know if we're in someone's bedroom like who's this person um, what's happening in the room is like a secondary thing and also really important because you can't you know you can't put like a giant bed in the middle of the room if somebody's dancing in the room or what you know what I mean like whatever <laughs> is happening in the room is important and sec- you know there but um, you know who's this character like do they you know are they meticulous are they um, or, you know, are they dreamy? Are they artistic? How do they spend their time? And I, th- I think, too, I mean, there's people who don't stay at home at all, you know, that they eat out all the time mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe just have like um, food containers or whatever that like aren't really at home. Um, and then there's the people that like really live and work in their home and in their space, you know, or or if somebody's obsessive and only on one topic, you know, like all they do is paint that's what their space is going to reflect, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely want to think about the character, like how old are they? What are their interests? You know, if they have one focus, it's like what are the what are their secondary focus, you know? What are mm-hmm. their hobbies? And I think I think that scenes that have more depth like that read visually really quick even if you're not seeing all the details, I think that it has an effect on you. I think that your brain takes in that information subconsciously and it makes a huge difference when you actually have the time to get into it.
0: It's such an interesting thing for me because it's, it, it, so often, it's really about creating something entirely out of thin air, right? Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, some of the thoughts I have are, like, what are choices that can be made that are really intentional? What are choices that can be made that end up being really uh, irrelevant? Mm-hmm. And then also, what are choices that magically kind of, like, it's a, like more of a subconscious thing, right? Right. Like, something ends up being meaningful right. entirely out of just the circumstances right. that it finds its way there. Um, and so, how do you even... Like, how much of that do you think is really, like, where do you start to get those ideas? How much of that for you is, like, really intentional choices versus kind of gut feeling without necessarily explanations quite yet?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that there's a balance. And honestly, that was one of the benefits to going to art school is that... Um, is that you kind of learn, I mean, it's sort of bullshit. Like, you know, you have a critique and you're like, this piece means this and I did it for these reasons. But some of that's actually true. There's truth in there, you know? (laughs) And so there's this constant like balance when you're, um, you know, when you're, when you're building a scene or when you're building a character and you're working on more narrative things where, um, and again, I start with what's on camera. If there's like props that are called out, like let's say somebody has a, you know, a phone mm-hmm. and we know, I we know that my character is using the phone in a scene, what kind of case goes on that phone? Um, and that's, those are like, that's where I start to get intentional. Like, is this a point where I can say something about them? Like if we're in the kitchen, what's on the walls, you know, again, like how do they live in that kitchen? Um. If, uh, you know, if they're drinking out of a cup or if they're carrying a bag or if there's something called out, I would start. I always start there. Mm -hmm. And then and then I just trust my instincts. I think that there's a sort of magic. I mean, at least for my creative process, there's like a magic in film where I'm out and I'm like, I really like this thing and I don't know why. And I'm just going to buy it. and (laughs) It's just going to go in the prop bin and there's no call for it and there's no reason. And. 95% 95% of the time that prop gets used and it's awesome and it's perfect. You know, 5% of the time it's nothing and I was just have some weird prop for no reason. But most of the time it's like, at, you know, it's like suddenly you're like, oh, and it's this magic thing that's so much more, you know, that's like meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too, a lot of the times like with props and... Um, and in general, I think with like telling people stories, like the more individualized and the more personal and the more kind of quirky it mm-hmm. is, the more universal it becomes because everyone has those things that they're, I mean, it's all different for everyone, what their weird little thing is, but everybody has those weird little things.
0: You know? it's, it's like, I think the challenge that I think about in that is like, Like, where do you – writing that line so that it's unique and intentional without being so, like, overt and, like, hey, look at this thing. Right. You know? And it's, like, I think that's the the responsibility we have, obviously, that's, like, in taste, I think, is a big element of that. Yeah. And something that I think about a lot just in general is, like, we're in a profession that really taste is such a important element to voice in a film – But also something that is so individual, uh, both in the creation and in creation and deciding if something's good or bad and then in the audience interpretation of it. Right. Um, For you, like how what does taste mean in sort of the visual field and like how do you kind of navigate that for for your own personal taste?
1: Um, Well, I mean, you have to. Like, if I'm working in narrative work, you have to take into consideration the taste of the character, right? Mm-hmm. Which isn't necessarily my taste. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, you're trying to see through their eyes and you're trying to understand through their eyes, you know, and you're making decisions by that. Um, when we worked on Paper Birds, you know, the, the costuming was like a big thing question and what was the hero costume for our lead Mm going to be and that was that to me really came down to a question of taste Mm -hmm. and you know both of them I thought both of our like final decisions were really great and I and my opinion was is that one was more universal and applicable to now meaning Mm -hmm. you would wear it now as well as then like it worked for the period that it took place in, but it also worked now. And the other one didn't as well. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that I, my vote was for, was for the one that was a little more universal that, that was applicable now. And I think that you look at some films like, uh, the great Gatsby or whatever, which, um, the, the design of it, you know, they're taking the 1920s, but they're utilizing the clothes from the 1920s that are appealing in the era that they're making the film as well. And, um, you know, I, I guess I think about it in that sense when I, you know, when I'm thinking about taste. And in general, I trust my taste. Like, it's mine. <laughs> I think I have good taste. You know, I think everybody thinks they have good taste. But um, I get paid. for. I'm a professional. Like, people get paid. I get paid for my taste all the time, <laughs> for my opinion. Um, and, uh, you know, I just... I'm, but I, you know, I feel like my particular, I don't, I don't think that I like some people really have like a voice, like especially production designers, they really have a look like this is, there's one thing that they do. And I don't think that I'm as much like that. I feel like I'm capable of doing that, you know, really clean white Instagram world as same as I could do the weird 1970s, like built out, Mm -hmm. you know, Wes Anderson world. Right. I, I think that I'm capable of doing either one. And I, and I think that you know, ultimately you want, like, in general, for me, it's like, I look for things that are well-made, you know, that some care and thought went into, whether it be something, you know, that's old and funny or something brand new, you know.
0: It's interesting the the way that you say that too, um, I've definitely had a lot of conversations about this idea of like having a very specific, clear style versus Mm -hmm. being more of a chameleon. Right. And I think that they have their own you know pros and cons yeah. i also tend to think that the chameleon world has the there's a little bit of a danger in there that's like it's like the the really great work can also be really almost uh, the way i think of it is like brilliantly unimpressive yeah. and, and there's like films that i think are absolutely just perfect beautiful films but they're also so good that that nothing stands out right as a singular thing right and so i think like sometimes the flashy like this is the thing every time you make this you know a new piece it's going to be the same thing every time can be more eye-catching totally but not necessarily better
1: <laughs> totally,
0: totally i don't know any any thoughts on
1: um yeah well i think that i mean like i think that you know you think about a director like Wes Anderson and you think really heavy like this is a really intense production design that goes into this and there's a really intense look that goes into every film that he does mm-hmm. and i think first you know um there's a lot of like greatness in that but you look at somebody like Spike Lee Um, or John Singleton and you're not like oh the production design on these but in reality the production design on those are amazing like Girl 6 to me like the production design on that whole film like her bedroom all the little details that go in to tell us more about that character without having to like say Mm -hmm. are clearly well thought out you know even his early films are actually really phenomenal I think with production design And, and, and it's it's again it's those subtleties it's like you you're subconsciously taking in information that you wouldn't, that you don't realize you're taking in, Mm -hmm. you know but you're still receiving it and you're understanding a character more for it, Mm -hmm. you know and I I think that that's exciting. For me that's the most exciting, you know, is that subconscious stuff that seeps its way in.
0: Well and it's so interesting because I also think there's a weird fine line of the like invisible process, like when you do it so well, you're not thinking about it yeah. and like um, I've talked to you know cinematographers uh, about this idea of like making a really beautiful shot that can take you out of the movie or right. a movie that really does focus in on the characters so that's right. what so what you're right. watching is the story right right but I also think that it it can and I think it's, in some ways it should but it can also detract from the amount of work that is actually going on in front of camera. Like it's, it's so beautifully just there and all in the right place for this moment that it almost looks like nothing's been done. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
1: No, that's exactly right. And I think too, I actually think that sometimes production design is as much for the actors as it is for the camera, Totally. because you know, you're building out somebody's space and room and camera may or may not see (laughs) corners of that, but the actor is it's it helps them with their imagination it like allows them to really get into the space and understand it more and um you know, I, I, that for me is really exciting. It's like, what records are on the shelf? Like, camera's never going to see that. But if your actor has a little downtime and can go through and you've actually thought about it and, yeah. you're, and you're building that into the character, they're understanding. You know what I mean? They're having this different experience. I don't know. It helps them, I think.
0: There's an interview for one of the actors talking about uh, Akira Kurosawa uh-huh. and how in one of the films he was in... They're in a house that's... It's a set. It's a full set that they've built. Yeah. And he's wandering around and he opens up one of the drawers and, it, like, there's medicine in the medicine cabinet. Right. And it's one of those right. things where he he would say the exact same thing. It's like, the camera... It's not even a part of the scene. Right. Like, this isn't a medicine scene. <laughs> right. It's just a home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I think it, it that opens up something that's really interesting to me about this so much of filmmaking even though it's a 2D medium, mm-hmm. which is could be changing very soon but right. it's still a, a, a 2D medium but so much of what we do is three-dimensional or yeah. four dimensional or whatever yeah. like the physical space really does affect the choices that we make both f- all the way from performance down to like what our camera choices are and what what the story may actually you know it's like improvising different changes based on what exists in space yeah right. Uh, which is really interesting.
1: One of the things I really like about it too, when I was in school and even after school, I feel like I've been told a lot that I need to pick one thing. I tend Mm. to be a little bit of a jack of all trades and I do a lot, a Mm. little bit of a lot of things. And one of the things I love about this job is that that's a, that's a skill. Like that's actually what I'm supposed to do. And it's so that I can talk. To everyone you know what i mean because yeah. i can talk to the jeweler i can talk to the seamstress i can talk to the carpenter i can you know because i understand enough about building or whatever and i don't have to do any of them great but i do need to be able to communicate with all of them mm-hmm. and also too it's like it's all the art forms in one it's like it's music it's paintings it's sculpture it's performance arts it's all those things and it's all in one medium you know and <laughs> i love that about it it's my favorite <laughs>
0: So let's talk about process a little bit. Like, how do you, let's say you're approached with a script. And so maybe just talk a little bit about, like, what are the things that, you know, what are the elements that you think are important to kind of, you know, share about what are the, you know, initial ideas and how does that maybe look like in terms of, like, when collaborations are really valuable for you? Mm -hmm. Like, talk a little bit about. About. Yeah.
1: I am um, I actually wish I was a little better at reading scripts. Um it's it's kind of hard for me. I I'm really really visual, so I love I love a good treatment mm-hmm. um because I then I'm getting pictures and words at the same time and it's always better for me. Um in general, when I read a script, I I really just kind of it's I kind of approach it a little more formally. I literally just go through and I'm like what props are called out? Mm-hmm. What are the specific things called out? And I go through that. Um when I'm, you know, for me to really understand something, my first questions are like, what is the lighting like? What does the feel like? What's the location look like? And, you know, I, in general, I want to understand the emotional content, you know, which is a lot in conversation mm-hmm. with the director or if there's like a good visual treatment. And I always want pictures and references, <laughs> like <laughs> as many as I can get. Um, even if it's like nothing about the picture except for this one element, is what you like i Mm -hmm. want to see that one element just because i'm so visual i think i you know i i do tend to go back and comb through a few times you know so my first few times are that maybe i have some conversations and then and then i'll kind of go back through and see if i can't really understand the other emotional things that are coming through or the storyline or the other stuff that's there um but I'm inevitably surprised when we're shooting, and I'm like, oh, if only I'd understood that it was that, <laughs> I would have done this, you know. But I think that's just part of any artistic process, mm-hmm. like, always knowing what you could have done better.
0: And so so starting with pictures, you, you prefer seeing pictures from, say, a director than to have conversation and then pull some references yourself?
1: I'm, I mean, it, it goes both ways. I I I just did a piece recently where, you know, they came to me with like a really broad idea and I took them pictures and I it was nice to work that way. It was refreshing um, mm-hmm. to be able to be like, oh, here are some choices and then I have control. I'm not... I'm not giving them any choices that I don't like. I'm yeah. like, here are three options that you can approach this location that I think will work, you know, and I like all three options, right? Mm-hmm. So, And and also, too, it's like it's fun to, like, build out a concept that way. A lot of directors have an idea already, and mm-hmm. it's more... I mean, if if I have free reign, that's a different story. If, if I have a lot more creative freedom, then that's great. Um, but every director is different that way. You know, there's some directors that just... They're, like, they, like, give you the most, like, small, you know, the smallest, like, core information. That's it. And they're, they're just, like, go. And you're let loose into the world with, like, barely any information. And then there's the directors who are, like, I needed this, this, and it should be like this. And are very particular and have a very clear vision and, and uh, you know, and are adding a lot of stuff. And um, that's a different you know, that's a different creative process. So you really have to cater to who you're collaborating with and who you're working with, which is one of the things I like about this, because it keeps it fresh and interesting, Absolutely, you know, and I love collaborating. I've always loved collaborating. And so um, that's my favorite part is, you know, is working with people and their different working styles. Have
0: you ever been in a situation where you're, you're talking to a director and it's just you're not a fan of the visual style.
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't always agree with directors. Um, and directors, I think, sometimes have really bad taste. <laughs> and it's really helpful when they know that and they can just like, they, they're they like, I don't know what I'm doing. Please help me, you know? <laughs> um, I was on a job recently, you know, and it was a commercial, but they just stripped the scene. They wanted it really clean, really basic um and really safe you Mm -hmm. know and we had built this beautiful like floral arrangement it was so cool looking and they literally stripped it to like a lamp and a table and it was (laughs) so bad and and you know it's moments like that where you're like oh god how you know like what am i going to do is sometimes you just have to release it it's it's somebody else's vision and Mm -hmm. you just have to let it go to them in this case you know i've you just come at it sideways from some other point where you're like, okay, what is it that they're looking for? What is it that they like? And how do I best, how do I bring out their best side, their best taste, right? How do I cater to their best eye, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I was able to like build the scene back up and have more interesting, you know, I was able to like build it in a way that worked.
0: But to do that, I feel like you also have to, um, it through some process, piece together or build out your understanding of what their tastes are right like if you don't have an understanding of that it makes it so much more challenging
1: totally in that particular case they were from a different country too which you know there was this added issue Mm -hmm. of like communication and um but i think that um a lot of what i do is anticipating people's needs and desires Mm -hmm. um that's a big part of the way i work and um you know, that's, I feel like that's one of those things that people kind of either have like an in in innate talent for or they don't, and I do, so I'm lucky. Um, and, you know, you just, you're like, oh, they they liked that lamp, and I think that what they like about the lamp is this, you know, <laughs> and so I'm going to find this other element, you know, that same element is also present in this sculpture, so I'm going to try to piece those things together to, you know, to please them, you totally. know. but But it, it is kind of a guessing game, and a lot of it, is being able to pick up on the little cues of how people dress, how they present themselves, like what they're saying they like and, you know, doing your best to understand. And I feel like I do a pretty good job there. I I mean, you know, it's one of the things that I, you know, that I find some pleasure in. And I like understanding people and, you know, when I'm in charge of how people dress, like when I'm in charge of, you know, when I'm actually get to be in charge of wardrobe too and I'm a production designer, I, I, I was talking about this, um, just the other day. I really enjoy dressing people, styling people for them, their best selves. You don't want to like, if you don't have to, you don't want to dress somebody not like themselves at all. Totally. You want to have them be their best like their best version of themselves or the version of their of themselves that fits most in this world. Right. Mm-hmm. That you've built. So I I and I you don't want someone to not look like themselves. You want to lo- them to look like the, you know, the fiery version of themselves or the, you know, the shy version of themselves or whatever it is. But you still want them to be them. Yep. And I, I think that same thing goes for working with directors it's like you want them you want the director to have their voice like mm-hmm. the you know the director's voice I mean your your whole job is to help birth that voice mm-hmm. you know but you want it to be their best voice <laughs> <laughs> you know you want to you know so it's just about it's just it's just kind of a it's just kind of a balancing act
0: yeah yeah you, we had talked about this before but um the idea of like if if an actor has a fully thorough understanding of their character actually being able to sit down with them and talk yeah. to, to learn even more about where their choices are coming from
1: yeah you know i think that's an interesting, way of working that I would like to explore more, you know, especially when you're dealing with things that are more character-driven. Um, I I mean, I think the actor really does, in my understanding, like the actor really does play a part in that in in building that character out and who that character is. They're, they're making decisions too. And I think that getting that information from the actors to our department is actually really valuable, you know. And, um, and I think that there's, you know, it's like if this... If the actor is like creating this whole person who has an affinity for knives and, you know, and this is the character they've thought up and that they're exploring and, you know, building and, you know, you have them with a bow and arrow. It's like it could have easily been the other thing and, yeah. sh- and it should be.
0: You yeah. Know? Do, do you ever find yourself in situations where there's that, that one detail where you're you're actually seeing the scene unfold as you're filming it and you're like, ah, that's the one detail that would have been oh, good yeah, to have. all
1: the time. I mean, that's like a constant. I mean, I think I see that in other people's work, too, you know. Um, but, again, I think that's just part of the creative process and part of, you know, growing and becoming better at your work and a better artist all the time. Um, I often, you know, I'm often like, oh, man, if only I had known this information, I would have, mm-hmm. you know, I would have brought this other thing instead or the other thing that always happens which is like the worst is you'll like search for a prop or you'll search for the perfect thing and you'll find it like one week after the shoot (laughs) and you're like uh that like perfect shaped lollipop in the perfect color did not exist Oh. Anywhere, <laughs> but today I see it three days after the shoot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've been in that situation so many times. There's there's one uh, I've I've done like twenty four hour film festivals where yeah. there's like criteria like it's, it's basically a scavenger hunt. Yeah, and it's like you 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 know when you're running around trying to find something, it's just not there, and then a week later you see that thing and you're just yeah. like God
1: damn it. <laughs> And honestly, that's an interesting part of my job, too, because I'm constantly cataloging, like, where things are. Mm -hmm. If somebody's like, oh, I need, you know, I need blinds that function this way. I'm like, I know that I can get those blinds here and that I can return them or whatever. Or, like, I know that so-and-so carries beautiful watering cans and they've called out a watering can. And I know that I can buy one here, here, and here, Mm -hmm. you know, because I've been paying attention or whatever. I don't know. Just, like, the weird... The weird and like, I mean, it's always different. It's always like some wild thing, but it's like that knowing where to go for those things is a big part of what I do too. Especially up here versus LA, where you can like go to like a major prop house and just like pick something out. Sure. It's like here you have to like actually find it or know where it is.
0: It's funny to me because it always makes me think about how ridiculous, like, we just become because of the profession that we've taken on, where what we get excited about (laughs) can be so surreal and (laughs) silly.
1: I know. I have this whole thing for for, like, boxes and small platforms. Like, anything that can change the height of an item because mm-hmm. of, because that's, like, a thing that yeah. I have to do all the time. So I'm always like, oh, that's a plain... Look at that plain, beautiful wood box, you know, or, like, whatever. Like, oh, small platforms, like... <laughs> it's a constant need on my part. My newest obsession is... Um, is uh, coasters because for, I don't know for whatever reason I feel like coasters are something that I need a lot of late. So, so now you know all the great coasters. So now I'm I'm like what are what are coaster options? Who makes the coolest coasters?
0: <laughs> um, are there any other like in terms of collaboration? Like what do you see as the other key uh, key roles and players that you want to you know. Get an understanding of of their process when you're shooting.
1: yeah, I, I mean, there's 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 kind of two ways that the collaboration goes. It's like, um I love directors of photography and gaffers, and you know, and and the relationship between the two and also with me is extremely important. Um, you know, if a scene looks flat, there are multiple ways that you can approach solving that problem, right? And one of them is light, you know? And so, you know, like I started a whole bin of like different things that you can shine light through that will like leave cool patterns on a wall or something, you know, and or that you can like push past to kind of help give some depth to a scene. So, um, you know, your relationship with them is important and your working relationship with them is important. And also too with the director of photography that they're, you know, that they're supporting and giving you time and crew attention, you know, um, can be really important too. Like how those relationships work is is great. And in general, you know, I'm still, in a lot of ways, I'm still really new in this and I'm certainly opinionated and I certainly am a good problem solver and I have great spatial understanding. I can do a lot of things, but I also am always, um, you know, I'm also like leaning on them a lot to help guide me or to learn from, you know. Um, As well and and help me to understand how a scene should or how to help bring something out of a scene, you know, and also too, like sometimes you'll come and you'll be like, I really like this corner or there's something here and I'd like to see it, you know, so like how can we work together to help bring this up, you know. If I'm building out a character and I know that there's an item there that I want to see and there's choices for the DP in what direction he's moving or what he's passing over, it's like I can, you know, that relationship and how we talk about those things can really matter. And also, too, you know, what the look is so I can build a scene that suits something that is lit cool or that suits something that's lit warm. Like, you know, again, like I said, like, do, you know, is something me bringing a glass thing with light to shine through to help it look like a morning. Mm -hmm. Is that going to help or does that even matter? You know, so those kinds of conversations are valuable and important. And then on the other end of it would be my team. So um, my, you know, my team can be wildly different, um, you know, from graphic designers to people who, you know, who do construction um, and who build sets and, you know, everything in between. You know, like I just did a job where I had a florist on set so you know how are you um you know how how I'm communicating with them and collaborating with them is a whole thing as well you know obviously like the clearer the vision the better the working relationship too I'm really personal and I think that my personal creative process has a lot to do with like how I get along with somebody Mm -hmm. um and how how well we communicate with one another and it tends to be kind of like like this loose unfolding and kind of trusting in the universe and like I trust that the universe is going to provide me with something better than I could probably could have thought up on my own if I'm just like open enough Mm -hmm. to it so it's helpful when people work the same way or work similarly
0: it's a tricky thing because I I do think about that like the the universe opening up in this way that's like I personally have seen you know like directors who have a a very clear vision to the point of being very rigid. Right. And then directors who it's no idea what's going to happen until the pieces start coming together. And I personally generally tend to fit into the second category. I think more often than not. And there's, and I think that there's benefits and detriments to both sides. I really think that having this rigid view of what this thing is going to look like can make you so, it, it can really close off the possibilities for something far better
1: i think so too yeah i definitely fall into the latter category also and um I think that planning and understanding and and knowing the important elements is really valuable. Absolutely. At, but I also just have this deep trust that sometimes something much better comes along. And also too we have real life restrictions, you know, we have restrictions in how long we can be in a space, how much money we have, mm-hmm. you know, like what resources are available in our area and sometimes you know, sometimes holding on to like this small idea of like how it how it should be Mm -hmm. doesn't allow you to like make the best with what you've actually got sure you know we're not dealing with these huge budgets in hollywood yet where we can just snap our fingers and get whatever we want you Mm -hmm. know but i you know it's like honestly it's like i i don't always think that's the better choice it's like you look at star wars or whatever the old star wars where they were dealing with like real life Mm -hmm. restrictions (laughs) is actually like a lot better than when they were like oh we can make anything with computers and yep. now you know what I mean so mm-hmm. it's like there's like this moment where the restrictions actually help you to yeah. build something better I think you absolutely know? and yeah. it,
0: it's a tough thing because I, I do think that there are restrictions that are not helpful right um and so then I think the work is also to, under, to understand and navigate those like what are the good restrictions what are the ones that we can Actually, do good work yeah. when when pushing up against. Yeah. But then also, what are the things that we need to also try to get out of our way so that we're not actually stifling the the process? Yeah. And I think that's really tough um, to know what's good and what's bad. Like sometimes when you need <laughs> you need a certain type of resource and you don't have it, it doesn't necessarily make it a better project, right? You know, right. like if you're if you're doing a sci-fi film and you just have no access to building sets or anything like what you know like that is the question of sort of like when does the creative have to change and that's definitely i think more in a commercial world maybe that's not true necessarily i think of it as being more in a commercial world that's like yeah if you don't have the resources to do this then the creative probably has to change yeah
1: i know (laughs) (laughs) uh i mean that happens that happens in the i mean you know i feel like that happens to young filmmakers all the time too where sure. you know it's like you're like i have this insane idea for this music video and like the idea is incredible it mm-hmm. really is and yeah. given all the resources in the world you can make it and it'd be amazing i'm yep. sure but you know you got three grand so what are you going to do with you know what are you going to do with three grand and you do sometimes have to go back to the creative and rethink the idea mm-hmm. you know
0: and it, i think it is an interesting kind of like the, the balance of Ambition versus practicality right Mm -hmm. and I think that you can be talented in both Spaces I mean depending on who you are, but I I think it is possible to be talented in both spaces But then based on the the circumstances of each project. I think they have to be Evaluated, you know, it's like where where is the place that I can win? In this project and that everybody can feel like they did a good job whereas in a different project you, it's not always going to be the exact same yeah. thing. I think about um, uh, uh, Twelve Monkeys mm-hmm. is like uh, one of my one of my favorite films. But I also love so they had like no budget for art. Yeah. And the production designer apparently his whole the whole thing he did was he drove around the L.A. freeways. Yeah. And whenever he found crazy junk, he threw it in his truck. Yeah. And so all the future sets are primarily built of welded together. Trash. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy to me yeah. because those sets look amazing. <laughs> yeah.
1: But that's I mean, but that's the that's it right yeah. there. It's yeah. like just doing the best with what you've got, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Um, actually I was I was watching one of those things on um, that HBO show, the new one with the Westworld. Mm -hmm. And um, the production designer was talking about like how she did it. And, um, you know, there's like that crazy scene where like the person's like spinning on the on that thing. That's like from an old airplane. She was like, Yeah. yeah, they're just like walking through some like airplane graveyard. And she's like, this thing's cool. Like, what can we do with this thing? You know, like, what can we build out of this cool giant thing? And um, I you know I love that I love that stuff you know it's like you're you're not always like envisioning it out of thin air you're mm-hmm. you're dealing with um, like you know how do I turn this table into like a robot you know whatever
0: <laughs> it's so crazy because it is like that that the flexibility right yeah. like how do you see something as something else and I do think that the the tendency maybe more with younger filmmakers is to take everything so literally Mm -hmm. but it's like you get to a point where it's just like all this is going to show up on screen the way that we present it on screen so (laughs) right uh so it is interesting to kind of jump around and look at you know look at things from a different vantage point and i i think of it kind of the same sort of way in terms of like references Mm -hmm. like i i tend to think that more often than not, younger filmmakers, their reference is not just other films, but other more recent films. Right. Um, and I think the challenge for me is to continually push myself to look at different places mm-hmm. for different inspiration. It's like, like reading a book is going to give me different visual ideas than a film may right. necessarily. Right? right. And I even think that music is such a. Um, a my personal take is that. Storytelling is most closely associated to music than mm-hmm. any other art form mm-hmm. because it's temporal, it's expressive, there's a lot of intangibility and abstractness, mm-hmm. but also there is that arc that hits us emotionally. Yeah. But mm-hmm. where where do you where are your main places to look for inspiration where do you where do you like to look outside the box for inspiration
1: um well I, you know I do I have watched a lot of films mm-hmm. I actually and I and I think I you know I definitely get a lot of ideas there and I, I mean that's obviously not out of the box that's like right in mm-hmm. the box but um you know I yeah I spend a lot of time watching movies and and thinking about that and then you know, I do spend a lot of time in junkyards. I go to a lot of estate sales. I, you know, I do a lot of flea markets and stuff like that. And, and I do wander around going like, what is this weird thing? And what else could I see it as? You know, that 100% is me. I really related to the airplane story. It's you know, mm-hmm. definitely um, right up my alley. It's definitely how I work and think. Um, I look at a lot of art too, you know, I really, um, I really like fine art. I have a fine art background and I spend a lot of time in museums and, you know, studying and looking at artists and art movements. And I do, I do think about that stuff a lot, even in, you know, even in relation to what we're doing and, and I like advertising a lot too, Mm -hmm. actually. Um, and I know I work in advertising, but I, I really, I'm really interested in how, um, You know how propaganda works, like how Mm -hmm. you know how we how do how you know like how you tell stories and I don't know like how, like there's a lot of manipulation in what we do even even if you're telling like the you know I like films are there's a lot of manipulation like there's a you know you're throwing on a soundtrack that's helping you to feel sad Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of stuff going on that are is like really, affecting how people perceive things and I don't know I that to me is like. Uh, that to me is really fascinating so I do like to look at you know current culture like what's happening now like what you know how are people receiving information now how do people live now you know like how like how is somebody going to actually take this in you know um like are they going to be like actually seeing this on their phone are they going to see it in the theater mm-hmm. are they you know like how is this actually being consumed um but yeah, it's kind of all... I mean, it's kind of all over the place. Like, I don't think there's anywhere that I can't get inspiration or mm-hmm. get ideas, you know? But
0: um, <clears throat> how is it going to be viewed? I just... Um, I finally got to see 2001 on the big screen. Oh, yeah. And it's like... I've I've seen that movie so many times, right. but always on a TV. Yeah. And this was the first time that I finally just... The, the attention to detail in these crazy sets and this world mm-hmm. and... And how it's like it's almost that you don't even see any of the work that went into it really when you're looking at it on such a small space. Depending on what the film is, I do think a lot of uh, there are a lot of films that there's really not a whole lot going on. Mm -hmm. And so the whether you you know whether you're it's when you watch it on a big screen or or your phone probably the experience is going to be relatively similar. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a couple of times that I've seen movies on the big screen where I really felt like they shot it for, like, a TV or the web Mm -hmm. because it was just everything was a little too close. Yeah. And on the big screen, that just didn't feel right. Like, I actually felt like they didn't... They weren't thinking about that. Yeah. But I think some of that is a really subtle... Shift in the way you're thinking about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you are dealing with like a visual thing. So like right now um, with like Instagram and stuff, like a lot of things are being designed for a square, Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. or, or this like, or this rectangle, this direction instead of, you know. And so, um, you know, that, that, that is like a thing, you know? Um, and I don't, for me personally, I don't, I don't, I'm not like, oh, it's only, Fine art cinema or whatever It's only sure. cinema if it's on the big screen I don't feel like that I feel like, you know, we have to um, Evolve, like it, it's an evolving thing Like how people are consuming these things mm-hmm. Transforms how they are made, mm-hmm. you know And I think that's good And I think that's a good thing So um,
0: Do you, how Is it more often, less often That w- that you, the so say like You're filming something that's going to be anamorphic Just like super widescreen mm-hmm. Um, is it often that that would really change the choices that you're making?
1: For me, mm-hmm. yes. Because, um, again, I'm dealing a lot with composition. Mm-hmm. And so how, you know, because everything's getting chopped up all the time now, I mean, even, I mean, trailers for major movies are going on, you know, are on Instagram now. Yeah. Like That's part, that's like the way that we're getting that information all the time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, like the composition to me, it's totally transformed by the shape that you're dealing with. Like mm-hmm. right now it's a square, but you know, someday it might be a circle or a triangle or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, we're in the what is it, the nine by it's,
0: well, 16 by nine? 16 by nine. Yeah.
1: yeah or nine by 16. Totally. And um, that we're, you know, we're more in that realm again, which is good. Um, it's shifted orientation, mm-hmm. but it's still, you know, I don't know. It's, I, yeah, it totally changes the way I look at it. But again, it's totally it's it's because I have this like 2D compositionally like, you know, concept all the time. And I'm and I'm thinking about it in that world, even if it's moving and we're moving in and throughout it. I'm Mm -hmm. still always thinking about like, how is this compositionally functioning?
0: What do you think about the like 360 or stereoscopic kind of?
1: Yeah, I've done a few of those. Um, they're really difficult for me in general because of the working process. It's really hard to see. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so visual and it's hard to see everything that's going on and understand. Yeah. And it took me a little while to, like, get an understanding of, like, how it how it works. There are a few pieces out there that I've seen that I have been successful with that. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm interested to see how that works moving forward. I think that... Um, Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like that's like this whole uncharted territory, you know, it's like kind of wide open. Um, and again, it, it it took me seeing one that was actually visually successful. A lot of them I think are really sloppy. It's really, you know, I mean, even if it's just like so much information and, um, and I think, uh, the best ones kind of lead your eye, you know, they're like, look here and Mm -hmm. then look here and they're guiding you in a 360 world. Um, But you still need time to focus on a singular thing. It's not about everything happening all around you all at once, right? You know, the way that you know the way that your mind looks at a painting. You know, you might start in like the top um, right corner, and then your eye would move to the center, and like there's a path that your eye goes through on a on a painting, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you're drawn to something, and then if it's successful your you know, your eyes led through yeah. the painting, right? And that same thing is with film, you know. And especially with the three sixty, I feel like the ones that guide you through it yeah. are the more successful ones. Yeah. And then from just like a like working world, it's such a beast because you know, usually I can like hide stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in like one qu- half of the room, you know, and I have this like working <laughs> zone, and it's something like that. Or when you're overhead, it's like none of that. You know, your yeah, your whole world is up for grabs. So
0: you know, it's a crazy thing. Yeah, because it's like you really do have to have just everything there. Yeah. Because uh, is yeah, and there's a lot of interesting stuff. I I have seen only a few that are really successful for me, mm-hmm. and not knowing that. You know, I haven't seen all of the pieces that are out there so far. But it's it's definitely, there's a lot of uncharted territory. Yeah. But there's also a lot of, like, the right stories for the format. I haven't seen that alignment quite yet. Yeah. Um, but the thing that you're saying is really interesting, too, that's, like, drawing the eye. Because I definitely, I, I know and think about it in terms of, you know, how you can do it with action and, and behavior. Mm-hmm. And how you can do it with... the, the, on the camera side through how you're framing a shot and how you're lighting a shot. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you get a lot of uh, projects that you work on where you really have a chance to kind of do that from a, uh, uh, from a production design standpoint to help to draw the eye? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's like, a. I mean, I think that's a really big part of what I do. and, as, you know, again, especially working in commercial, like that's something that I have to think about every shoot that I go on is what's, you know, what's the product that we're selling? Like what, you know, how that's, that's always the key, the most important thing in mm-hmm. the set. And I have to build my entire set around that. If it's white, it's going to be the only white thing on my set mm-hmm. or one of the only white things on my set or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. or whatever, you know, what, what, how am I going to frame this so that it's, it's got pop or whatever the same thing goes on like bigger, you know, for, you know, more narrative work, it's like my main character is like the one person, what is it? Gone with the Wind where she's like the only person in this like huge scene, she's the only person in that color. I mm-hmm. forget. I think it's yellow, but I forget. But yeah, it's like what is she wearing or what is, what are they wearing? Like how is your eye going to be drawn there because ultimately this is a visual form, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's all about, like, what's attracting your eye, whether it be movement or color or texture or clothes or whatever, you
0: mm-hmm. know. I have a book. It's, like, one of the few places that I actually have seen any, like, in-depth kind of breakdown. Mm-hmm. But uh, the concept of mise-en-scene, what's in the scene, what's in the shot, uh, and the the book I have breaks down, like, 15 different elements Uh you know like everything from what's the position of the actor in terms of facing forward versus facing back or quarter turn then to like uh use of you know contrast diagonals and there's all sorts of really interesting like the more it goes down it gets into these places of stuff that I just don't really think about that often and and I would probably say more often than not you know a lot of films even great films probably only really capitalize on like you know, less than half yeah. of those elements. Yeah. Um, and I do think that you can go too far into being really, like, meticulous about that stuff. Right. Do you think that can make for a better film? Do you think it can make for a more, more convoluted process?
1: I mean, I like the time to, like, go into the details, and you can't be, like... You can't be 100% focused on something all the time, but I, you know, I do you know, the projects that I like the most that I think are the most fulfilling are the ones where I get called, you know, where I'm, I'm having coffee with someone and they're t- they're telling me about their idea. And mm-hmm. then, you know, six months later, you know, and I, like six months later, we, we're talking again about a character or this, that, or the other. Or what are the elements that could be there? And, you know, three months later, they're actually in their script and they're actually finally working on it. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's yeah. like being part of that creative process from the beginning and being able to be part of, you know, be part of that. Um, And having like having the time to let your brain kind of function on it, even subconsciously, even when it's in the back of your brain, you know, you're allowing it to think you have plenty of time to do the research, you know, Mm -hmm. and things are kind of falling in your lap. And you're, you know, you're like, Oh, now I'm thinking about circuses or whatever. And now I'm seeing every circus thing for the next two years, you Mm -hmm. know, and you're like, taking all that information in. And I think that it does make it better. You know, you are better when you have that time, you know, more time is definitely in, And this business, especially is so often we're like, okay, go like a week, make it happen. Three yep. weeks, make it happen, you know? And, um, having that like year to let a idea like germinate and grow, you know, um, is awesome. Like, I love that
0: how how much do you think that is a luxury versus a necessary process that that needs to be educated that you need this much time
1: it's all about the quality of the work if mm-hmm. you want the higher quality of work you're going to include more people i think you're going to include people in your process mm-hmm. you know and and you're going to have collaborators earlier and you're going to want them to have more time it's just that simple um you know you were talking about 2001 and stanley kubrick is like notorious for being the kind of director who has every little detail yeah you know things so for him i'm sure his creative process is a lot of coming up with all those little details that he can then hand a list to somebody and be like these are all the little details that i require you know you know so for him having a somebody involved longer than it's necessary to build those things right Mm -hmm. is unnecessary yeah it's it's, that would be irrelevant to him um but somebody who is more collaborative in that process or you know feels like two voices are better than one Mm -hmm. you know um might might lean earlier you know it's sort of this dance where you're like not exactly sure all the time like what the movement's gonna be um but the more information that you have like the more collaboration like oh it just gives more space and time for like the amazing thing to happen I mm-hmm. guess.
0: I definitely think that for me like marinating and, and letting things just kind of like yeah. percolate in the back of the brain yeah. really does it, it's it's hard to explain the benefits of that but you know the benefits of it when you get time to experience yeah. it and I do think that there is benefit to like putting something down if you get stuck and picking it back up again and, yeah. and being able to have time to do that um yeah. now i think if we were just go 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 all the time we find a way to do it but we also make different choices yeah and and i do think that you know it's when you have less time there's only so much that you can do and you hope that mm. the best happens miraculously
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i did a i did a piece on like global warming this year and um i had a restaurant that i had to do in it and um I only had, I think I had three weeks on it total or maybe a month, you mm-hmm. know, from the time that I learned about the project to the time we were finished shooting, I had like a month. And a lot of that, there was a build involved. So a lot of that was like, what's the build? How do I do this? That yeah. or the other, Um, you know, I did have to think about a lot about like, how are people going to live at, at this point? Right. You know, mm-hmm. like, or how, you know, with like global warming or whatever, what are the effects going to be? We were thinking about real things, but it's one of the things that bothers me is that I didn't, we had a restaurant scene, and I the restaurant had their own glasses. And really, like, people should be bringing their own water bottles places, right? So it was, like one of those things where I was like, Man, one more week, and I would have yeah. thought, about it. I, just, I just had like one, just a little bit more time to like think about this concept, you know. Yeah. I would that would have come to me, you yeah. know. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is.
0: <laughs> I, uh, years and years and years ago, I did a film about uh. Uh, an agoraphobic mm-hmm. that was just a super OCD constantly cleaning the house so I had this montage of him just like cleaning the whole place and it wasn't until uh, we were done and I was like cleaning up the the you know the home that I was filming at and I'm vacuuming and at the very end I'm like wrapping up the vacuum and then I was just like if I was in his shoes I would have clean the vacuum
2: <laughs> right right
1: right
0: <laughs> and like to go a step further and to be yeah. like everything has to be clean
1: yeah
0: uh and you just yeah in the moment you you there's only so much that you can do right and only so deep you can go in the yeah. layers
1: but if you have more time the more resources but i mean that's the con i think that's like the constant thing it's like It's one of the things I think is interesting about Japanese filmmaking and um, they had sets that were pre-built, right? And they had a whole crew that was like, you know, I mean, even in like, you know, old Hollywood, like there was like, uh, there were steady people that worked that was like, all they did was build Mm -hmm. props for you. That was it, you know? And you had all these partial sets already built and um, there's a lot of benefit to that, you know, to, to just all these resources being thrown at you know, at something all the mm-hmm. time, but I, I definitely think a lot about that because um, I feel like it gives you, it does give you more time to think about, like cleaning the vacuum cleaner versus like how am I going to build this wall, totally. you know, or yeah. whatever, or like how you know, where is this thing being sourced from, you know, this mm-hmm. couch or whatever it is, you know, it's like when you have those resources at your hand, like those problems are solved faster, you know.
0: Well, it's interesting too because I think it, you also. Um, if, if if you're doing it right and things are going well, you also are freeing yourself up to yeah. have that brain space to totally. think about those totally. weird details. Totally. That in and the way I see it is like that's more the job than the other things. The other things right. are are you know specialized roles that also need to be there to support. But when you're in this level of really like diving into those, yeah. the details are the thing that makes what's on screen more unique, Mm -hmm. than finding the ways to free up that time and space to think about that.
1: Totally. Like having that space out time, you know, really makes a big difference. So um, that's one of my pet peeves with directors is a lot of times people will be like, okay, I just explained a scene to you literally right now, like we're on a scout, right? Yeah. We're shooting next week. Whatever. I literally just explained to you what's happening. So what are you going to do? And Mm -hmm. I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) this is not how the process works like i literally have to think about it like my i have to allow my brain to go through the options you know like what does it look like when i'm cleaning my house you know do i clean my vacuum cleaner or what you know whatever it is (laughs) and it's like i i need that time to kind of like Think it through and, mm-hmm. and, and, and go through the steps, which is something which is you asked earlier, like when I go through a script, that is one of the things that I, I walk through the scene, what's happening in the scene over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, what's the blocking? What are they doing? Where are they looking who are they looking at, what's in their way, you know, like what, what's happening. And I try to go through it multiple angles, multiple times, um, to try to really understand, you know, my whole view, my 360 of the world.
0: It is an interesting thing. Cause it's like, I mean, the collaboration and the dialogue and really like expanding this out so that it's not just one person. Like mm-hmm. a lot of that time, I do think depending on the project can be spent by either the writer or or director uh in in thinking of those details yeah but so often i think it's like this thing's now trapped in your head and it may not even be what's fully written on the page Mm -hmm. and so how do you you know i think i think there can be a tendency to to hold all of that so close and precious Mm -hmm. so it's like you know i think a lot of it is on the whoever that role is but the you know creator side who's got the vision to then find the ways to release that to let it be yeah. better and to let other people, you know, be thinking about it with, with enough time to do so.
1: Yeah. I like working with directors best who are trying to give you space to be ignited and excited about something and have your own creative voice and process. And the same thing with my own team. Um mm-hmm. You you know, I use I employ a graphic designer a lot for making props like um, everything from like labels for candy or Mm -hmm. um, magazines or, you know, whatever. It's it's actually something that comes up a lot. And whenever I can, I am just like free reign, man, like do whatever you want, because I know I'm going to get something a thousand times better than what I would have brought to the table, because that's actually his world. That's actually what he does. And Mm -hmm. he thinks about it better than me, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, so I might be like, I had him do textbooks recently, you know, <laughs> and I was like the, we're probably going to see the, the spine a lot more than anything else. And, um, and he, you know, so think about that when you're designing and then just go, you know, and the stuff he came back with was so cool, <laughs> you know,
0: is it interesting? Like, uh, if you, if you know that you only get this for a second, the spine is probably going to be what's what's seen the most yeah what's the thing that needs to stand out and how do you make decisions around design even based on that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. like whether it's you know graphic design or building that out into what the set looks like yeah
1: i mean that again is like the playing you know you're kind of playing this line because like children of men there's a scene where he's in some room and it's like everything's like covered in newspapers mm-hmm. but those newspaper headlines are applicable to the story mm-hmm. which is crazy like somebody <laughs> went in and like you know made newspapers specific with headlines that were appropriate mm-hmm. for this storyline and that was what they were using and who, no one's gonna pause and look at, except for me <laughs> no one's gonna pause and look at that you know but that's what they did and that's crazy, you know, that's, but it's, it's kind of awesome, you know, too.
0: Well, the crazy thing is that if that's not there, then you have a whole different experience. And, and so that's the thing even, you know, that I was saying before, that's like, it's so interesting that you, the invisible process, it's like all that stuff is there and all that stuff has meaning and it, it either means something for the audience, but even if it means something just for the actor, it, it completely changes how they, how they're doing what they're doing, yeah. which then does come back to us. Right. So it's a really like, I read a thing recently about a, um, the definition of a good director was, uh, for an actor is that they create, they, they support in creating the circumstances, the imaginary mm-hmm. circumstances right. so that they can do their jobs better as actors, right. you know, being these, these people right. in these circumstances. Yeah. Uh, and all the different ways that we do that to support this story and to support the people that we're watching through the story believe what's going on so that then we believe what's going on. Like, it's yeah. just such an interesting... The, the layers of it are so cool and fascinating yeah. to me as well. Is there anything that you think is worth sharing about what a production designer does or w- sort of the, the work that goes into... Uh, you know, the the art of uh, film in that way that's that people may not know about? or
1: Well, I you know, we've spoken a little bit about, like, things that have crazy production design, um, mm-hmm. you know, Wes Anderson or whatever. Um, but sometimes things with really simple production design are actually really impactful as well. And um, the most recent example of that would be, like, Moonlight. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene, my, you know, one of my favorite scenes is um, when he's visiting his mom in rehab and literally the only reason that we know that he's in, that she's in rehab is that he has a name tag. Hmm. on. They're smoking cigarettes outside. There's no one else around. We don't see anyone else. We don't see a building. We don't see any context. They have some lawn furniture outside and they're having a conversation. And the thing that lets us know she's in rehab is just a sticker on his shirt, and that's production <laughs> design. And to me, I'm just like, genius, like genius, like genius person <laughs> came up with that like, really simple thing. And no one mentions it, they, they don't talk about it directly, mm-hmm. and it totally, it, it's totally understood. You know? It's totally understood. And that's awesome you know so I think that um, I think sometimes people think they don't need a production designer um, because you know maybe it's simple because we don't really have this that you know there are there isn't this much stuff going on but it really does make a huge difference you know it's stuff like that really does make a huge difference and um, There's a lot that goes into it, you know. There's a lot of elements and there's a lot of factors and there's a, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And um, sometimes I feel like it's, you know, sometimes I feel like it's underappreciated, you know, for even when it's, you know, when it's simple or when it's not crazy and you're not doing all this craziness I think Mm -hmm. sometimes people it it does get invisible like you know the work can kind of get invisible um and I and I think that it makes a huge difference you know you can really see the difference in work you really feel the difference in work and um yeah anyway it's exciting and I love it and I know I'm in the right place you know
0: why do you do this
1: um well like I said in the beginning you know when you asked me how I started was that it was the first time that I really just felt ignited um and every like i knew i was in the right place because every skill set that from every dumb job i had had from my teenage years until now applied you know every skill that i had learned i was like activating and using everything that i knew how to do and you know i just i you lose time and when i get into a project it's literally all i think about i wake up i wake up at like six in the morning and i'm like climbing out of bed and i'm like i gotta go do this thing because i'm so engrossed with a project and i actually really like the workflow which is like all in or all out Mm -hmm. and um you know i don't know that that would work for everyone because it really is insane hours and hard you know really hard work but i but that's the way i am because you know when i obsess on something focus on something i'm like all focused on it I feel like when I started doing film, like when I got into film, it was like the, I just was like, Oh, these are my people. Like these people understand me, you know, they understand me for being bossy. They understand me for like, you know, like whatever my weird little quirks that in other aspects of work life or other aspects of whatever didn't fit in suddenly in film made sense and we're good, you know, we're, we're awesome. So. I mean, I've been like a movie nerd since I was a kid. I love film and I always have. And I didn't for a second think that was what I was going into. And when I fell into it, it was like so clear that my whole life's path was leading to that, you know.
0: Thank you to Amanda Bean for being on this episode, being on this podcast and sharing your perspective. so many aspects of this conversation I just love and so if I was going to pull a personal learning for myself out of this um, it might be twofold. I would say one really finding and understanding your strengths and both how your strengths can lend itself to a craft or a trade or a profession uh, or also the converse side of it is uh, finding a profession or a trade or a, a craft that, uh, you, that that amplifies your best self, um, you know, gets you excited and, and gets you thinking about the things that you really are good at. I think so often we take for granted our skill set because it doesn't quite fit into the, you know, square peg or the round hole that we're trying to be fit into for a certain type of profession. Um... You know, the challenge is alignment and finding yourself a a job that is a right fit. And I think that uh, one of the things that's so great about the production world is that there is no one set role that requires one set thing. There are so many different facets that uh, really does build its way into this very eclectic team of of production people. You know there's there there's something for everyone and uh there really is a potential to find your you know find a role that uh amplifies your best strengths you know i think another big piece of it is just to continue to think about uh the importance of taking the time to do things well uh i think that so often we're we convince ourselves that things have to happen fast and in certain situations that's absolutely true Uh, but I also think there's something to be said for taking the time to do things well. Do you have enough time? If you had that extra week what would you be able to do to be more creative to solve a problem in a different way Uh, to, to check off that additional box or add that other item to the list that will make you do the work you need to do so much Better, uh, you know, and that maybe that's an additional conversation that needs to be had to to continue to solve those problems. Um, I think sometimes we think that more time is a luxury, but I think that it's worth asking if more time is the right way to do it. Um, it's you know, it's uh, it's not about more time; it's about the appropriate amount of time. Um, I think that having those conversations, educating your teams, educating clients, educating uh, whoever is the the decision maker in a process uh, of of, you know telling a story, making a video, creating this piece. So uh, those are the two things I think finding our strengths and time. Finally, uh, in this conversation, we talked about a short film that I actually wrote and directed uh, and made uh, 15 years ago almost, maybe even more, actually. And it just happens coincidentally that I found that footage. Uh, and so in keeping with the musical theme of the epilogues uh, for the this season, uh, I want to share an extra special epilogue with you of uh, some work that I wrote and composed for uh, that film. Enjoy. Thanks. Bye.